Thursday edition Locked On NBA, joined by Ben Goliver. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, get the last of their great 50% off deal at BuiltBar.com. Ben Goliver, it's either going exactly as planned, get people to test positive before they go to Orlando, or it's not going as planned as all because Orlando, the Disney employees in Orlando are not playing along. Which is it? Well, I think it remains to be seen. I think, first of all, you know, the NBA's timeline part of this plan I do think is working. I mean, when they wanted everyone to report for Phase 2, which started happening on Tuesday, they obviously did that with the intention or, or the knowledge that a lot of players potentially were going to be testing positive, and they wanted those guys to have enough time to clear their symptoms, to be able to test negative, to go through the additional cardiac screening, and then be ready to go, uh, you know, to join their teams in Orlando b- before training camp, but before the game. So I think that part has played out mostly according to schedule. I think the one major hiccup would be Nikola Jokic, probably the highest profile player so far to test positive, you know, being stuck in Europe essentially uh, before he can report to Denver because of his positive test in Serbia. Uh, but other than that, I think it's been uh, you know pretty much what we expected. One interesting wrinkle to this is that the NBA and the teams have not officially announced these positive tests uh, in the same manner that they did back in March. You'll remember back in March, teams started saying that uh, an employee or an unnamed player had tested positive. Here, we're not getting that confirmation uh, right now, so that's leaving reporters to kind of independently confirm these tests. Um, so it's it's not totally clear the overall number a positive test, but so far it hasn't been, um, you know, uh, it's been less than a dozen, I guess, put it that way. Um, so I think from the NBA standpoint, that's a manageable number. I don't think that that changes their thought process. Now, the tricky part, though, is is what's happening outside of the potential bubble in Florida, because we've seen the case counts there just skyrocket over the last week. Um, you know, even since we talked last week, Locke, they've just taken off completely. If you compare the number of daily cases uh, that they had today, compared to the number, uh, you know, they had when the NBA first agreed uh, with Disney World to host the the playoffs uh, in Orlando, they've gone up by almost seven or eight times in terms of the daily, uh, you know, positive test rate. So uh, that's a a very different situation. You you have to wonder, would they have made the same decision in the same timeline if the situation was as as bad uh, then as it is now? Obviously, we can't know that, but certainly the, the facts on the ground in Orlando are changing Uh, pretty quickly for the worst. All right, let's get into There's two things here that are going on. One is the timetable you mentioned. It's pretty interesting to kind of look at what the NBA built. So what the NBA built is it should come in now and no one's leaving until the 7th, 8th, or 9th, which gives them 14 days if people test positive now to quarantine and still get to Orlando. Then they get to Orlando test again. I think they'll test throughout, but they do a big test again and they they get there the 7th, 8th, or 9th. They have... You're either playing the 30th, 31st, or 1st, so you have another 20 days there. These are the two buffer windows they have in both of their, in the testing, and those things really seem to be pretty well thought out. Yeah, for sure, Um, and, you know, I, I think that the ultimate goal is you want everybody to be negative when they head to the bubble, right? I mean, otherwise, like, you know, the, the whole idea of the bubble makes no sense, and they're still on track to being able to do that, um, so I think that that part, uh, again, has gone off mostly without a hitch. I mean, it does seem like a lot of players have been tested by their teams. 
Uh, there hasn't been any reports of, you know, major travel logistics of getting guys back to market or anything else. And when you look at what they're able to do over the next couple of weeks, they're not, you know, players aren't isolated at home. So it's still possible that someone else could test positive between now and when they need to take off. But the players are being encouraged to, you know, limit their travel as much as possible, try to limit their outdoor activities. They're not allowed into the practice facilities together, um, you know, in large groups or any sort of a group workout setting. It's all individualized. Um, and then, of course, they're being encouraged, you know, to travel, uh, you know, individually back and forth to the practice facilities. You know, don't be taking Ubers every single day or, or riding with your buddies or, you know, potentially exposing yourself to risk. The one interesting thing, though, is guys are going to be able to protest. Uh, that is in the language. So between now and when they take off for Orlando, uh, if anyone wants to participate in social justice protests, they will be able to do so. Um, and, you know, they're not on home lockdown, like I mentioned. So, you know, that is one other thing to kind of, uh, you know, keep an eye out for here over the next two weeks as the NBA proceeds through phase two and phase three of their plan. Um, but I think the, the league's hope is that the positive test you know, what happened now as opposed to later so that that way guys will be cleared uh, to, to go to, uh, you know, Orlando starting on July 7th, 8th, and 9th. All right, so part two of this story is the fact that we, Disneyland California has been announced that they will not open as scheduled. And the Orlando Sentinel has an article today by Carolyn Glenn, Disney World workers start petition urging theme park to delay reopening. Now this is just some of their uh, some of their workers. Uh, Orlando or the county in which they exist had basically more positives today than most states. Um, they, are, I think, are, uh, I I don't know the exact date they expected, but what what is your feeling on whether or not Disney World itself has to be completely open for the NBA to be there, or could be Disney World open? just for the NBA? Well, it's possible, but remember, those Disney World workers are unionized, right? So if they, you know, come together on this particular movement and say, hey, we need to, you know, change up this plan or whatever, I mean, that's a real factor in those kinds of conversations. I think that, you know, the way the NBA and Disney World have, you know, been in close um, negotiations like the whole way through, I'm sure they could try to angle for some compromise where, you know, only the facilities that the NBA needs uh, you know, to be able to operate, whether it's the three hotels and the three gyms, could those stay open while the rest of the parks close? Um, that's possible. It also seems like uh, the, the workers just don't want anything open in July. They want to push it out past that. Um, you know, again, the NBA wouldn't be starting games until July 30th. So is there some way for them to be on campus and, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, going through the full motions, you know, between now and then? We're not sure, but I do think we should step back even beyond just the Disney example and just look at what's happening let, in the let, country let right me, now. Let me jump in for one uh, second. Just quote from that article worth mentioning. Uh, Eric Clinton, president of the Unite Here Local 362 Union that represents Disney workers, said he was not aware of this effort. He said most of the workers he's talked with are, quote, pretty excited about returning to work. He said, Disney Springs has been open for over a month. I haven't heard of one news report or one cast member or one guest saying I got COVID. So the union leader does not seem to be in line with the union workers. It's also worth mentioning that uh, that Disney Springs opened May 20th and then they had uh, phased openings, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom on July 11th, followed by Epcot. Cock Center and Hollywood Studios July 15th. So the NBA already was planning to be there 
before those other aspects opened, if even if they didn't hadn't opened. So I think that this story, while very interesting, may not actually have a huge impact on the NBA. Yeah, I mean, this is what I was going to get to, is it, it could come down to really how much worse the, the situation deteriorates, right? Because uh, we're, we're at a place right now where Florida's at record highs, Texas basically record highs, California, Los Angeles, where I live at, um, record highs. And I think if you look nationally, kind of total cases were now basically back up, uh, you know, to record levels even before, you know, where we were back in March as a country. And so um, as we've seen, this thing can get bad really quickly. And I don't think they've reached the point yet in Florida where hospitals are being overwhelmed in the same way as they were in New York and maybe New Jersey um, back in March. And, and maybe it will never come to that. You know, I think the Florida's local government, their argument is that a lot of the positive uh, results are, are coming from younger people who are not as at risk of, you know, serious illness and developments. Um, but, you know, I do believe the hospitalization rate is up there, too. So uh, I just think that what we've learned from this last week is that the situation in Florida can change dramatically in one week, and it could certainly be significantly worse a week from now. So it makes it very difficult to prognosticate on sort of where this thing is going. And we should also point out that's the whole idea of the bubble, right? The idea of the bubble is to protect the people inside of it from the outside conditions. And so if this was a truly, you know, thick, solid bubble where nobody's coming in and nobody's going out, it wouldn't necessarily matter uh, what was happening in the Orange County area or at the other parts of Disney World, right? But unfortunately, um, that's not how the NBA constructed this thing. There will be some workers going in and out, and that, that risk factor does increase. Uh, if uh, the cases are higher in Orange County. And then, of course, the, the off chance that some player, uh, you know, breaks the rules and goes out to the bar or, or goes and does something and puts everybody at risk by coming back into it increases if the situation uh, outside Orlando was worse. We should also mention we, we've seen some cases like that in other sports. Um, you look at, uh, you know, the NFL, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Florida had to, you know, players test positive their training facility, professional soccer, um, you know, the Orlando Pride had to pull out of their big tournament, uh, the women's soccer team, because of a rash of positive cases. We saw a Major League Baseball spring training team, uh, Philadelphia Phillies, have to take their, uh, you know, basically close their practice facility. Um, and, you know, similar situation even with the, the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team, as well as the University of South Florida football team had multiple positive tests, too. So this has been an issue kind of all across Florida, different parts of the state. There's actually some parts of Florida that are worse than Orange County. Uh, Miami-Dade County, uh, which is quite a ways away from where, you know, Disney World is, has probably been hit worse than anywhere else. Uh, but again, it's just something to keep an eye on here. One more variable that the NBA is going to have to weigh as they uh, proceed forward with their plans. We're going to go into the bubble for our next conversation and why all of our analysis of gameplay and what's taking place might be off. It's Ben Golliver, Washington Post national writer. You can follow him at Ben Golliver on Twitter. I'm David Locke at Lockdown Sports on Twitter. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting, best macros out there for any protein bar ever. That's right. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with 16 amazing flavors. And right now, speaking of amazing, Built Bar is doing something just great. Built Bar is rebranding. And in their rebranding, they have 8 million bars left. All of those bars are 50% off. Well, that's great for you. But for the rest of the world, 100% of the profits will be donated to organizations that support education, poverty, equality, and ending hate and racism. More details for you on it. Built Bar is 
working with Black Girls Code, Pretty Brown Girl, 512, an organization committed to conquering child hunger across the U.S., Common Ground Foundation, and the Innocence Project. It's Built Bar, 50% off all bars, 100% of all profits. Go to BuiltBar.com and you'll see the big red signs sold out. They've been selling like hotcakes or like Built Bars. And so a bunch of things are selling out. Coconut cream today, salted caramel sold out today. Make sure you go early and often right now to get your final 50% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Blinkist. I'm sure Ben Golliver's like this. I admire every author that writes a book. I'm in awe of the depth. But honestly, Ben, Walter Isaacson's Albert Einstein, I don't got all of it in me. I just don't have time. I can't do it. So that's what Blinkist is for me. There's others. I probably should read Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis by Jared Diamond, but I might have to do Blinkist instead. Blinkist is fabulous in that it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser, takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them into just 15 minutes, and you can read or listen to in that. Successful people like Ben Golliver like books. They read them unsuccessful people like me don't have enough time somehow. So we do, no, I'm just kidding. So anyway, you best way to digest all of it, be like the 12 million people that are using Blinkist right now, has massive and growing libraries, self-help business, health to hobbies. Blinkist, the latest titles from the bestsellers list. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, save 25% off your new subscription or get it free for seven days. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA. Also save 25% off. Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, so two things happened today, Ben. One is I went to uh, socially distanced coffee with an NBA coach. And we, it was like, it finally dawned on me what the bubble is. And like what we're asking out of players, we keep saying is amazing. But let's get to specifics for a second, okay? Let's take the 25-year-old, 27-year-old NBA player who likes to have a drink or two. Not like party relentlessly, legally have a few drinks, right? How's he doing it? He goes to a game well, at home. He usually goes out to a bar. He goes out somewhere, meets up with a bunch of buddies. Like totally normal behavior, right? 100% normal. I'm not saying getting blasted and being so hungover you're like crawling to the toilet in the morning. Regular behavior. Mellows you out, does whatever it does for you. How's that person doing that? Well, I think under this scenario, he's doing it uh, at the hotel, the team hotel, sitting apart from his, uh, you know, potentially his opponents. And uh, maybe he's doing it in the the comfort of his own uh, hotel room. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's going to be lots of aspects of their their life that are changing here. But that's uh, weird. You know, including. Seriously, like going back to your hotel room, by yourself, and that's not what we're talking about. That's not the same experience, right? You're not out with your guys. You're not. You're not like part of it's getting away from your teammates, getting away like and and just being out. Like it's incredible to me. Like this is just a maybe it's a minor thing, and for those like I'm a not a drinker, so for me it like, but like, I I don't know. I think this is like these behavioral things that are gonna have to change are crazy. Well, I mean, look, I mean, we can go into all aspects of their life that's going to have to change. I mean, you know, the sex life is going to be a little right. bit different, too. I don't want to get uh, no, too, but, too deep and dark not? into that. But why that's not? A, like, most of these guys probably aren't going 60-plus days without, right? Yeah. 
I mean, the thing with the drinking part is interesting to me. So imagine you have that little tussle on the court, right? You're pointing fingers, you know, somebody, you know, blew the play or, you know, the ball, the ball goes sailing out of bounds in a key moment. Yeah, you do usually would go your separate ways. You know, everybody comes back to, to practice with a clear head. Here, you're going to have to get on the bus and go back to your hotel room to shower. Then you're going to probably have to eat and you're going into a room where you're probably going to be running into your teammates, picking up their post-game dinners. And then, uh, you know, if it's awkward, you know, do you leave if you're still mad or is that going to create a situation? If you sulk in your room by yourself just because you want some alone time, are people going to misread that thing? Are your clicks going to develop on the team where it's like starters versus bench guys? You know, if you have uh, – you know, a situation like in Philly where everybody always wants to kind of drive a wedge between Embiid and, and Simmons. Is that going to play out in front of opposing teams? Are you going to have, uh, you know, future free agents after a tough loss, kind of, uh, you know, uh, teams that are looking to fill a spot with that guy? Are they going to come over, sidle up to them at the, the hotel bar and say, hey, man, don't worry about it. You, know, you can come play with us next year. You don't have to worry about playing with those bums you're currently playing with. I mean, all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, the tampering type stuff, all that's going to be playing out in front of uh, – of all these other teams, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like I, I, like I was joking today, like Al Horford and Jason Tatum, teammates a year ago, suddenly are seen together. Like Kemba Walker's like, oh my gosh, they're complaining about me. You know, Tobias Harris, like, or they're just, or they are like, you used to go out and like complain to your buddies about your teammate as you were kind of, now you're like, you're narking to like one of like another guy in the league. Like I just like, you can't, the thing that stunned me talking to the coach, and it's kind of what you're alluding to there, you can't get away from it, right? Like, it, like you, if you're a coach in this league, you're like involved all the time, but you occasionally go home to your family or you go out for dinner or you do something else every now and then, right? Terry Stotts goes on his walk, and that's your way of releasing. There's no release. Yeah, no, it's going to be different. I mean, even if for the writers, potentially, you know, I'm usually somebody who likes to kind of like write with, you know, write, write by myself. And, you know, what is that going to look like? Uh, you know, where are the meals going to be? Uh, you know, usually I kind of go off and do my thing with some nature walks for just, you know, proper balance during the playoffs and everything else. I mean, the privacy stuff is a is a major issue. I mean, it sounds like at least they're getting their own rooms, right? So there's not, there's not a roommate situation like, uh, you know, middle school tournaments or high school tournaments. But uh no, there's major quality of life issues, and I also think major mental health issues, too. I mean, I think ultimately, when you're looking at what the weather conditions could be down there, I think you're going to see a lot of guys just wanting to stay indoors. You know, I mean, some guys want to go golfing. Maybe they do that early in the morning, but if it's super hot and super humid, you know how it goes during, uh, you know, Las Vegas Summer League. You're not trying to go out for a walk outside in the middle of the afternoon in Vegas. And not that Orlando is quite that hot, but certainly it might not be, uh, you know, super duper comfortable. And then you've got a whole bunch of people who are under an incredible amount of stress, who are worried about their health, who, uh, you know, because of the coronavirus and potentially don't have the typical outlets that they would normally have at their disposal. And they're isolated away from their families. It's a major question, man. It really is. And it was one reason why I thought we might have uh, more guys decide not to go than we actually saw this week, um, because I think, you know, family issues can hit guys in different ways. And it's not just a matter of, you know, for like Trevor Ariza, he can't see his child. So, of course, he's going to want to stay home. Or for Avery Bradley, he's worried about the health of one of his children because of a higher-risk condition. So, of course, he's going to want to stay home. But there's lots of people whose, you know, children are perfectly healthy, whose wives are perfectly healthy, um, who maybe would just prefer to be with their families rather than locked away in a room for three months. And that's completely understandable. And, you know, of course, there's a price involved, and these guys are going to be able to, uh, you know, get paid if, if everything goes forward like planned. But, 
this is not a picnic. This is not, you know, an amazing summer camp. They're going to have it better than a lot of people because of the luxury hotels and some of these amenities these guys are, you know, putting together in terms of the, the league's lineup of entertainment. But, uh, you know, this is a real commitment. Uh, there's no doubt. I, the other aspect of this on a really serious note, I mean, we've joked, and I, I think there's a 100% truth to, like, the ability to, to blow off steam, whether that's having a drink, sex life, whatever it is you do, right, to blow up. Like, the stress level of an NBA player is high, and whatever they do to get away from it and get their release from the performance pressure that they feel is important. I don't know how they're going to do it. Therefore, it seems to me a logical deduction that you have a prime circumstance for mental health issues. But for some of these guys, this could be really hard, and that could have... You know, whether if you're anxiety ridden, how are you ever stepping away from this? Yeah, no, I think it's a completely fair question. Uh, It's been something that I've been worried about um, for various players kind of this whole way through. Um, I, you know, you typically just throw that into the, the, uh, the batch of quality of life. Right. And there's a whole lot of other things that, you know, beyond, um, you know, anxiety, you know, could be depression, Um, You know, it could be, you know, in some cases, substance addiction. I mean, I imagine that's going to be a a different situation there, Um, you know, or, you know, people who have problematic behaviors, whether it's related to alcohol or anything else, and even people who are insomniacs, right? And and that's something that, uh, you know, just because of the NBA schedule, a lot of people struggle with that. Um, You know, thankfully, there won't be going back and forth between the time zones. Um, So that at least makes it a little bit easier. But, uh, you know, for people who need certain conditions to sleep, otherwise they start to go crazy. I mean, now you throw in someone into a hotel room where they're not getting their typical exercise and uh, their life balance. They're not able to go out and go shopping or whatever it might be uh, that could throw off their sleep habits and really make things difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, when you start to look at this thing being a three month long process, you know, it winds up being almost like survival of the fittest in a pretty dark way. And this is one reason why, you know, if we go back a month ago and we were talking about how should they do the format, this is one of the reasons why I was trying to keep it as simple as possible because not only are you exposing people to enhanced, uh, you know, risk with the coronavirus by extending uh, this tournament for as long as they are potentially, uh, but you're also making people, uh, you know, who are, you know, staying deep into the playoffs, uh, you're, you're making them that much more isolated and, and locked down and, and you're increasing the risk factors for all these other things that we're describing. And by the way, I'm concerned about this for next year too, because I'm not totally sure by, you know, the time we roll around to December, if there's going to be a situation where teams are able to travel from market to market um, and actually play these games, even if they're not playing in front of fans. And so that could wind up needing to be in a a bubble situation again next year as well. And uh, maybe it's not just one this time around, maybe they do hub cities like the the NHL did, but regardless, if if you're trying to play an entire season of games somehow, even if it's a condensed season, um, you know, in this kind of a bubble format with guys away from their families and away from other activities, that's going to take a drain, you know, a real toll and a drain on these guys' happiness. And, uh, you know, I feel for them. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a thought on stage two and why it's so important here. Uh, we'll touch on that next. Then Lakers without Avery Bradley actually has a big basketball impact. We'll touch on that as well. Today's show brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly letting you see all the parts available for your vehicle choose the brand specifications prices you prefer contrast that 
to going into one of the old brick and mortar stores and your only choices are what they have in stock and the prices that they want to move it to rockauto.com go there right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and when right locked on in how you hear heard about them and when you do you'll see all this the best of all the prices rockauto.com has always reliably low prices in the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers so why spend twice as much on parts that might not be the right ones and are the only ones available to you at the brick and mortar store amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com the more i watch the nba's plan ben the more i i, I think it's thought out with the future in mind so i think the two stages we talked about I do think there's a real concern that January, February, next year, December, they end up back into a bubble. I I agree with you. I think that's a really legitimate concern. And I think that's where stage two of this bubble, the second round of the playoffs, when families can suddenly arrive and they're allowing outside people to the bubble, I think that period of time will give them great value to understanding if they have to do this for an undetermined amount of time, how they do it, next January and February and allow the players to have their families coming in and out of the bubble. For sure. And the tricky part for the NBA is when you're trying to lay out your calendars, you know, I think that they were probably operating on the assumption that our curve as a country was going to follow, you know, some sort of, you know, similar pattern to what other countries have had. And then maybe there is a little bit of a spike in the fall, right? So that's why you would try to play this summer Maybe there's a second wave in the fall and then, you know, by December, January, it starts to go down and maybe your options clear up. And I think what we're seeing here, especially over the last few weeks, is that our curve doesn't really look like anybody else's curve. You know, the, the coronavirus is, is really, um, you know, going a different direction here in the United States. And that makes all these kinds of planning questions just that much more complicated. And if it does kind of push things back, the NBA realizes, you know, you can't start the season in February if you want it to be a real uh, season and so you're going to probably have to be make the same kinds of compromises if you want to start in December you know very similar con- uh, compromises to what you had to do to try to play this thing in July as well I'm not sure the situation is going to be radically improved if we just fast forward you know five or six months and uh, I hate to say that I hope I'm wrong I hope it does improve significantly but I think that their their hand is being forced here a little bit and that's what's so tricky for these decision makers and it's not just Adam Silver it's also you know, the Disney executives who were sort of courting the NBA, and it could be the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who was trying to welcome professional sports to his state. I mean, that might all make sense, uh, you know, in May. And then, you you know, you fast forward one month and the whole thing changes. And uh, trying to predict where this disease is going to go four or five months from now uh, is is basically impossible. So, um, you know, I just don't see any way where we're going to have this thing solved. Unless there's a vaccine and unless that vaccine is just widely distributed and everybody can get it, um, I think that the bubble stuff is, is going to be a reality for next year, too. I'd love to hear, like, Adam Silver off the record right now. Like, just, like, is like is he just snapping? Like, I've built this whole thing. Wear masks! <laughs> Wear masks! Like, is he, like, what is, like, you just got to imagine that he's sitting there. They built this incredible thing. They've done all this work. And, like, you know, like, the, it's just go, everything's going in the wrong direction right now that's out of his control, and everything that's in his control is going the right direction. I can't imagine, like, what it might it would be so fascinating to hear what he, what he has to say. No, I'm sure he's frustrated. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm frustrated, too. It's like, I remember how much 
uh, criticism that Rudy Gobert got in March for touching all those phones and microphones and kind of being goofy. And you compare that to what Jokic just did. Jokic flies halfway across the country or halfway across the world, excuse me. Uh, He goes to a basketball arena with no mask on. He doesn't socially distance. He's chumming it up with uh, the professional tennis player, Djokovic. You know, there's a video of the the tennis players playing limbo inside of a bar where they're all kind of like goofing around and and kind of hanging all over each other. And next thing you know, all these guys test positive. And, you know, it's one of those situations where like Rudy really made the best of a bad situation by donating the money and by filming that public service announcement and trying to turn uh, a negative situation into a positive. And for Jokic, I would like to see him try to do the same thing because I think the decision-making from him, I'm never going to blame anyone uh, for getting this disease. You know, it's, it's so easy to get it so transmissible, but I just think as a public figure, especially as a franchise level player in the NBA, it would be great if this guy was exhibiting best practices. If he was, when he's in public, if he's following the kinds of instructions that we've all been told to follow, because it really makes a difference. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who look to him and, and see how he's behaving and they think, okay, well, if he's hanging out at a basketball court with no mask on, that means I can do the same thing. And it's not just Jokic. We've seen other NBA players, you know, you know, in five on five pickup games or, you know, even like unauthorized summer tournaments, you know, doing the same thing. And that's just a very high risk behavior that shouldn't be happening. And if I was Adam Silver, that some of that stuff would really drive me crazy too, because you're kind of, you're coming up with 113 pages worth of rules to try to protect these players in the bubble. And you're realizing that, you know, during their summer, uh, you know, some of these guys are just completely unprotected with their current behavior. All right, Avery Bradley out for the Lakers. A little bit of a surprise there. I'd have to say uh, it, this one I think is pretty impactful. Like you, you, I think we're already Clippers above Lakers, but when you start to compare those teams, and, and to the point of what we were talking about earlier, I would also point out that all of our analysis of these teams is based on the regular world. <laughs> and to the point of what we talked about earlier, I just don't have – I don't think we have any idea – how the bubble is going to impact how players play and how they react. And so I think it's, it's very difficult to project what, what this is. I just don't think we know it could be anything from the players are amazingly fresh because they're not traveling and they're playing better than they've ever played before. Like it, there's so many things that, so it's hard to analyze. Oh, well this Avery Bradley means this, but to me, Avery Bradley not being available to Lakers is really significant. Yeah. Look, he played big minutes for them. He played important minutes from them. He gave them, uh, an elite, you know, perimeter defensive player. I mean, he, you know, he played a lot better this year, frankly, than he did the previous couple of years. I mean, he really found a nice role there. And he did stuff that they don't have a ton of guys who can really do. And if you're looking at the potential replacements like a J.R. Smith, that's not his game at all, right? So that's definitely winding up being a hole. And when you're trying to match up with the Houstons of the world or the Clippers of the world, uh, perimeter defenders are really, really important, of course. You know, when I'm trying to break down what this whole summer thing could look like, Locke, I'm going back to who can win ugly. You know, I just think that with the time off, with some players expressing concerns about injury risks, I mean, we've heard, uh, you know, Jared Dudley put that out there again uh, this week. I think that there's going to be, you know, some real clunkiness. It's a completely accelerated uh, ramp-up process. And, you know, to me, I'm, I'm saying, okay, which teams can really win ugly against all of these, you know, conditions that are against them uh, and, you know, try to fight through this. And I, I look at the Clippers guys, almost all of them are in their prime. Uh, you know, you're already seeing Patrick Beverly, you know, doing his almost typical trash talk stuff at this point. Uh, you know, those kinds of, you know, confidence issues and just kind of togetherness issues to me, uh, you know, just makes me feel comfortable with that pick. But, yeah, I mean, we're all guessing here at this point. You know, chemistry is such a touchy thing. We see teams go on, 
you know, in-season runs all the time. You might win 10 games and you might lose, you know, four out of five. Uh, and, you know, how does that translate after a four-month layoff when, you know, most of these guys are, you know, expecting to be in the middle of their summers at this point? It's anybody's guess. Do you have a team other than the Bucks in the East? Who Most likely to not, if, you know, to beat the Bucks. Who, who? What's your answer? The team that I'm really kind of coming around to is the Toronto Raptors. I thought they were kind of a cute story all season long. But if you're giving Marcus Saul, who was like, you know, he played all of last season, then had to play last summer in the FIBA World Cup, then had to come back this year um, and play again. If you're giving him, you know, that rest and the break, if you're giving Serge Ibaka the rest and the break, Kyle Lowry the rest and the break, you're giving yourself a creative coach in Nick Nurse who's, you know, coached all over the world in all sorts of weird situations. So he's not going to care at all about, you know, being thrown into Disney World. You've got a team that played lots and lots of minutes together their last season and they came back with excellent uh, chemistry this season. You've got Van Vliet, who's playing for a contract. You've got Siakam. Um, you know, they can win ugly with all that length in their front court for sure, uh, but you've got him as kind of a go-to player. And then you've got you know Kyle Lowry, who's just smart and heady, and you know he's a, a year-round pickup basketball type of player. I mean, you add all those things up, the depth, the chemistry, the no egos. I, you know, I like them heading into the normal playoffs. I just didn't love them. And to me, I, I think that these conditions sort of favor them. And they really have nothing to lose either. You know, I mean, you're, you're coming into a situation where you're the defending champions. Everybody sees Kawhi leaving, so they immediately write you off. I think that gives you a little bit of a mental edge. They won't be going in there with any pressure whatsoever. And I think they like it like that. Well, they're the fastest team I saw all year by a considerable amount. They, they play at a little bit different speed than everybody else. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what impact that has. Well, yeah, you could go the other way and say everything I said about, you know, giving Gasol and Lowry and Ibaka rest, you could say, well, they're just going to turn up rusty and they're going to look old and then the whole thing falls apart. I mean, that's, you know, you can make, make the argument both ways, but, um, you know, part of what I, my argument is really based on is just Nick Nurse. You know, it's like when you've coached all these different places, uh, you know, minor leagues basketball over there and, in England, I mean, is it really that different from, you know, coaching a professional league in England compared to, uh, you know, an empty gym in Orlando uh, where, you know, you're going to have 40 people watching a TV camera? You know, I, I imagine he's going to feel right at home. He's Ben Golliver. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Golliver and follow his Washington Post newsletter as well. I'm David Locke. Thanks very much for tuning in. Your local favorite NBA team as a daily podcast. Go search it right now on your podcast app and find Locked On, whatever one of your favorite team out there, and get the daily podcast as the NBA gets up and started. Anthony and Adam will be with you tomorrow for another edition of Locked On NBA.